I think the Bears have major question marks in the trenches on both sides. I think if I'm looking at any unit in this ball game that could dominate the game, I think it's Green Bay's defense that has the best chance to do that. I've had a bad feeling all along, and I just think this is going to be, I think this might be a miserable opener at Soldier Field because there's all this optimism and hype around the team, and it just comes smashing down on the team in week one. I, I think we're going to be so excited for this kickoff, and it's going to be a bad day for the Bears. I hope I'm wrong, but that's just where my gut is. Miserable. That's an interesting word. I told you we were going to hate. The, I told you you'd hate the take. Yeah, I don't like that miserable word because when you look at the games last season that they played with Aaron Rodgers, they were relatively close. Hey there, Bears Nation. It's Ryan O'Leary here, and welcome to our kickoff episode for season four of the Bears Wire podcast. I'm joined on this show each week by the extremely talented Alyssa Barbieri of the USA Today Network. Hi, Alyssa. Are you ready to rock and roll or what? I am so excited to finally be doing an episode where we are looking forward to actual football. I cannot believe that we're just a couple of days away as we film this from a regular season football game and just a few days away from the Bears and the Packers. What a way to kick off week one. Does not get any better than Bears Packers and there's some new faces on each side. It's going to be fun to break that one down. We will uh, coming up. I will say this, Alyssa, we haven't done a ton of episodes in the offseason. We've had a few, uh, certainly not as frequent as the weekly episodes we're going to have throughout the season. Excited for that. But this one, I don't know. I feel like in the offseason, we've been pretty positive on the team, right? There's been a lot of positivity around the team. They brought in, they've made some moves that we've approved of. The offense has more weapons. Uh, So overall, I think there's some optimism around the team, but I don't know how optimistic this this podcast is going to be because we're going to be talking about some key injuries and we're going to be talking about the Packers. And I have a take that I think bears fans and you will hate, but I'm going to tease that for later. Uh, I don't want to get you all riled up yet, but I think later on in the program, you're going to, you're going to hate my take, Um, but we'll get there soon. But I want to start with, I think the biggest injury and that's Tevin Jenkins landing on IR. And that means, you know, a position group that we were already kind of concerned about offensive line, Alyssa, has now a major void at left guard and we're not entirely sure what the solution will be entering the season opener against green Bay. I think the most likely thing is going to be Cody white here sliding over. Right. And then opening up that spot for Lucas Patrick, who we've, we've talked about that move. What Ed nauseum. It's like, finally it's happening, right? We could stop talking about what's where's Lucas Patrick going to play. You just play center. Like they, they saw him doing in the all along, right? That finally might happen, but, what do you think? Like, move the chess pieces around for me. What does this mean with uh, Tevin Jenkins being on IR? So that means he's out for at least you know a month or so. What's this mean for that position group that was already kind of thin and questionable to begin with? Yeah, it was really frustrating because we saw this offseason how Ryan Poles really you know attacked two position groups that you know of need in wide receiver and the offensive line to put Justin Fields in a position to succeed, and he has those pieces. But then you go and you lose, in my opinion, your best offensive lineman in Tevin Jenkins, who's going to be out for at least a month with some kind of leg injury. Adam Schefter was said he had a strain in both calves, which is I've never heard of before. Um, But it's pretty uh, surprising. Sounds like me going on 40 years old, you know, strain, strain calves (laughs) on both legs. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's not the start that you want for, I mean, the bears are just a team that all off season, all, I mean, all summer, have just been struggling with injuries to starters, whether it's on offense or defense. So, I mean, losing your best offensive lineman and Tevin Jenkins for at least a month and to start off the season against your rivals 
and you really need to protect fields. I mean, it's a tough blow, but as you said, the bears released their unofficial depth chart, which is the official one. Let's go. <laughs> and they had Cody Whitehair uh, going back to left guard, which he played last season. Uh, and then Lucas Patrick, as you said, uh, in at center, which, I mean, that's why he was brought to Chicago was to play center. And, you know, after he broke his thumb last summer, he was playing guard because he couldn't snap the ball. And then when he finally was healthy enough to snap the ball, he would, he played like what, 10 snaps against the Patriots. And then he suffered a season ending injury. So, I mean, I'm a little nervous, uh, you know, to see Lucas Patrick at center because I don't know, bad things just seem yeah, to happen. So I'm just like Halloween when he's playing right center. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, Dan Feeney, thank God they went out and brought him. He's solid depth. Um, but, you know, like you said, with Jenkins, I feel like the Bears kind of went into this and Ryan Poles, having seen how the cards have, you know, or how things have fallen that he kind of expected Devin Jenkins to maybe not play the entire season because that's what history shows. So he went out and he has Dan Feeney now, obviously to help with depth uh, after that move becomes official. So, I mean, it, it's a brutal loss. Uh, he, like I said, best offensive lineman that you have, but you do have some skilled veterans in there and you do have some new pieces on the right side, right? With Nate Davis and Darnell, Wright. So outside of Tevin, the offensive line seems to be healthy and you just want to get a consistent, even if it's for four games, obviously before Jenkins comes back, maybe, you know, maybe it takes him a little bit longer, but you want to get a consistent offensive line, a starting five in place. You know, they really haven't had the opportunity all summer to kind of build that communication and that chemistry because Nate Davis missed a good chunk of the summer. Lucas Patrick and Cody Whitehair, Darnell Wright missed a week. So I think it was Braxton Jones, knock on wood, was the only healthy starting offensive lineman throughout the summer. So I mean, it's not encouraging, especially considering the Bears allowed 50-plus sacks on fields last year. So, I mean, that's definitely something, uh, definitely a big storyline to monitor heading into week one. Yeah, we need continuity within that group, right? I feel like we've been screaming about this for a couple seasons now, and it's just, this is a tough blow. Can't control injuries, but this one hurts. I mean, I think the state of the O-line anyway would have been a major storyline, and now it's just more so, right? It's magnified. Coming off a season where Justin Fields is literally running for his life, um, which helped him rush for over a thousand yards. So I think it worked out great for the bears. And, and that's that no, no, <laughs> exactly. It, it's speaking of this, we have other injury stuff we want to talk about, which again, this is not the most positive start to the season on the podcast, Alyssa, but we got all the positivity out in the off season. That's what that's for. Justin Fields was running for his life. Maybe that'll have to happen again. And who's the backup? Like the bears, like they kind of punted backup quarterback this year which is something I don't think that we got to this topic over the summer, but it's one that's been concerning because Nate Peterman has been, we joked about it when he was, he signed on to the practice squad or something last year. We joked about it and then he stuck around and now we're entering the season with Nathan Peterman as the, the backup quarterback. And it's like, wait, what? So the team punts backup quarterback coming off a year where Justin Fields was running for his life. And now we have in, key injuries to the offensive line in a group that doesn't have a ton of continuity. So Basically, if there's another injury to Justin Fields, and he had one last year that he was dealing with towards the end, what the shoulder, right? If there's another injury to Fields, it's over, right? We're screwed. Is it going to be Tyson Bajant, uh, the, the rookie? Do we have to watch Nathan Peterman, who I guess was fine in the preseason, but I don't trust that guy? Like, should we be criticizing the Bears, Alyssa, for punting backup quarterback? You know, that's that's an interesting topic. I mean, I think, you know, watching the preseason, it was clear that, 
out of the three guys that came behind Justin Fields, whether it was P.J. Walker, Tyson Bajan, or Nathan Peterman, that Bajan was the best quarterback of the three. Uh, and he was able to lead the offense with efficiency. And he just looked like a season pro back there. So, like, when he made the 53-man roster, I think, you know, there was it was with a caveat. And it was like, okay, it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be QB2, but it does show you how highly they think of Bajan after that preseason performance that he had and, you know, the kind of prospect that he can develop into. But with that said, I don't necessarily – I don't fault them for making Peterman the backup quarterback heading into week one. You know, I think that that depth chart is constantly changing. And I feel like just heading into week one, they feel more comfortable having an experienced veteran behind fields. Although, you know, now with the emergency quarterback rule, right, that third quarterback rule, now that they have three quarterbacks on the 53-man roster, that's something where, God, hopefully this does not happen, knock on wood, you know, then, you know, that might force Bajan into the fold. But I feel like, and I don't, <laughs> I love how, like, Ryan, we're already week one and, like, we're talking about hypotheticals about, you know, losing fields, which, again, knocking on wood here. But I feel like if, if that were to even happen, I think that, and like you said, the season would be lost. We'll be at that picking point. first so again. So <laughs> then I think, I think then they would play Bajan the rest of the way. But I think just having Nathan Peterman there as the backup is having that veteran experience behind fields and really not forcing Bajan into, you know, into a position where he's maybe not ready for yet. Yeah, it's weird. We went from a, a world where we had Nick Foles as our number three quarterback. Remember that when he was holding the clipboard, get paid all that money right. to, to Bajan. And we have Nathan Peterman number two. So uh, that's just one. I, it was just something that I think was stuck in both of our craws. We've we've talked about the team a lot during the offseason. We never really talked about backup quarterback, but that's a topic we wanted to get to. And I just think it's magnified or highlighted a little bit when you have injuries to the offensive line. Uh, you know, if Fields takes a big hit and is knocked out, the Bears are freaking screwed. And all this optimism around the team right now, and I do think there is some, rightfully so, it just, it's just gone. Because, yeah, may, maybe Peterson has veteran experience, but his experience in the NFL is mostly uh, bad. It's basically basically trash, Nathan Peterman. Nathan Peterman is going to Peterman. <laughs> yes. he's good. The Bears' hopes of doing anything this year will Peter if, if Nathan's taking oh. snaps. Are you oh, like God, that? Please don't write that headline. Yeah, no, yeah. Try not to use right, the word. It's only week one. Yeah. You try not to use the word Peter as a, a noun in any headline. Okay. Um, uh, so anyway, there's that on the backup quarterback situation and, and the other injury stuff. And I know we're, we're speaking before the injury report comes out. Alyssa, the first injury report yeah. on Wednesday. So we don't have all the details yet. So please listeners bear with us a little bit. But Jaquan Brisker is another one. It feels like he's got a chance to play. He's dealing with a soft tissue injury, though, Alyssa. And I think, you know, he's one of these guys that we're, we're hoping for big things from him. He's your starting strong safety. If he's limited or can't go, not super comforting against the uh, Packers. Yeah, that's another big injury that, you know, kind of heading into this season when Ryan Poles met with the media uh, last week. You know, he was talking about how there are no long-term injury concerns, you know, including Tevin Jenkins. So, you know, that's something they expect about pretty quick. Same with Brisker, but everyone seemed to be pretty healthy outside of Tevin Jenkins. But, you know, Brisker, you know, he suffered, uh, suffered a soft tissue injury and he's been out for like the last three weeks or whatnot. And, you know, he did speak uh, earlier this week, as did Matt Eberflus. You know, Eberflus says, you know, he's trending, you know, towards playing, he's progressing, 
But again, he's not someone that is going to, you know, divulge any injury related information until he has to on Wednesday, which is the day after we're filming this. Um, but, you know, listening to uh, Brisker, you know, talk, he is he's expecting to play on Sunday. And I feel like, you know, they kept saying that Wednesday is going to be a big day. That's when they put the pads on in practice. And, you know, that's when that first injury report is going to come out. And I think that that's going to be a big indicator of just how ready Brisker is for Sunday. And I think they're just hoping or hoping that there isn't a setback uh, at this point because that that safety duo of Eddie Jackson and Jaquan Brisker is just, you know, I mean, that is a cornerstone of that of that secondary. So they really need, need both of them back there. And, you know, Brisker heading into his second season, I mean, there are a lot of people saying that he's going to have a breakout year and that he could, I mean, one of my bold predictions – uh, for the season was that Brisker, you know, is going to have an all pro year. So, I mean, I think that he's on that trajectory, but he also needs to play health. You know, he needs to play the whole season. And, you know, with the exception, um, I think when he had like the concussion and he missed a couple of games, he played every game last season. So, I mean, it, it would be absolutely just brutal for the Bears to not have him uh, on Sunday. But I'm hoping as we're filming this, that things are trending in the right direction and that we'll see Brisker back out there. Same. We need all the firepower on defense we can get, right? <laughs> so we, yeah. we need it all. Uh, and that brings us to the game. Bears-Packers to kick this thing off. Man, we've been dying to preview this game. We've touched on it a little bit throughout the summer, Alyssa, but now we're finally here. The game is just days away. We're going to get into it, give our predictions, tell you how we're feeling, all that coming up next. But first, let's get some fantasy advice from the huddle.com. Welcome to the 2023 NFL season. I'm Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com here to bring you strong plays for week number one. Detroit Lions quarterback Jared Goff at Kansas City. The Chiefs appear to be without pass rushing defensive tackle Chris Jones and his 15 and a half sacks from 2022, while Goff is likely to be without his starting center. Casey's offense could be slowed if Travis Kelsey has to sit, but there's still a chance this becomes a shootout. Be careful though, since Goff was much better at home than on the road a year ago. Consider him a low-end QB1 in the season opener. Washington Commanders running back Brian Robinson Jr. versus the Arizona Cardinals. Returning as the unquestioned starter on early downs, Robinson should be in for a treat in a favorable matchup to open the season. His usage at the goal line gives him touchdown upside, and Washington should lean heavily on the run with quarterback Sam Howell taking over. We should see a small receiving uptick for Robinson, but he should do enough on the ground as a fringe RB2 option against a defense that allowed 22 running back touchdowns a year ago and didn't clearly improve this offseason. Wide receiver Michael Thomas, New Orleans Saints at Tennessee Titans. If Thomas really is ready to return to any semblance of his past glory, it should come this week versus a Tennessee group that is among the top candidates to be the weakest pass defense in fantasy football. A year ago, this was the best matchup for PPR wide receivers, and New Orleans should test the secondary early and often. The Saints may have trouble running, which portends to more passing volume. Thomas's floor is a 10-point PPR projection, and he has borderline wide receiver one upside. Tight end David Njoku, Cleveland Browns versus Cincinnati Bengals. Cincinnati gave up serious numbers in terms of volume in 2022, but only three of 89 catches by the position were worth six points. With Deshaun Watson under center in the Week 14 meeting, he found Njoku seven times for 59 yards and a score, since he has two new starting safeties in Daxon Hill and Nick Scott, both relatively inexperienced. For that alone, we like Njoku's chances of posting another robust fantasy line. For more award-winning fantasy football tips, news, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. All right, we're back in the Bears. Uh, they were main favorites in this game, Alyssa, even given some of this injury stuff. Uh, One-point favorites at home at the time of our recording. Uh, how are you feeling about this? I know we were talking off air a little bit. I already teased that I have a take that Bears fans and you will hate. So you might know what side of this I'm on. But 
How about you? I think you're a little bit more optimistic about the Bears being able to go out there and cover this one point spread at home. So give me your take first. Yeah, I mean, heading into this game, I mean, it's it's different. It really feels like a new era in this Bears-Packers rivalry because, I mean, their second, the Packers' second Hall of Fame quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, is no longer with them, now with the Jets. Uh, now Ryan gets to hate him as much as I hated him when he was in Green Bay. Um, I even hate him more now, which I didn't know was possible. <laughs> yeah, I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt it, but it, you, you can come pretty close. Um, but yeah, it does feel like a new chapter, and it feels like, that the Bears have an opportunity to get off to the right start and to rewrite this narrative in their favor. And, you know, Justin Fields, he's been a part of a rivalry like this when he was at Ohio State going against Michigan, except for now he's on the losing side or he has been on the losing side of the rivalry. And he's talked about, you know, how he expects the Bears to get on the right side of the rivalry sooner rather than later. And now going against an inexperienced quarterback in Jordan Love, I think that this is the perfect opportunity to really just, you know, set the tone for the season. If you were to come out in week one and beat the Packers for the first time since Ryan 2018, yep. <laughs> it has been that long. It's crazy. Which I believe the last time they beat the Packers was to win the NFC North during Matt Nagy's first year. So that wow. is how far we have come uh, without the Bears beating the Packers. So I just feel like, Heading into this game, I'm not cocky I because I'm never going to feel comfortable in, in any rivalry, whether I'm part of the Michigan-Ohio State rivalry too. Uh, go blue. Um, but I never feel comfortable in a rivalry just because I don't want to get my hopes up. I don't want to jinx things. But I do feel more confident in you know heading into this game than I have in years. I think I'm, I'm someone who's always said I'm not going to pick the Bears to beat the Packers until they actually beat them. And again, that was with Aaron Rodgers in place. But I do feel, I feel comfortable. I feel confident that the Bears can go out there and make a statement. It helps that they're playing at home. I think it helps that, you know, I mean, the one thing I am concerned about is when we saw in the preseason, you know, they the starters really didn't got, get a lot of action, especially on defense. So, I mean, but but it is pretty vanilla, right? You really don't know what you're going to get. My thing is I'm co- I'm confident, but I'm not overconfident where I can see it going both ways. I think this is going to be a really close game. I don't expect the Bears to go out there and stomp the Packers. I would love that more than anything. <laughs> but when it comes down to it, I just want the Bears to come out of this with a win, even if it's by one point. You're confident, but also a little cautious. You could put it that way. Yes, that's fair. Yeah. And I think, you know. I expected that from you. And I think that's where a lot of Bears fans are. I think a lot of Bears fans have some, there's some juice around the team and I get it. There's some positivity, some optimism around the team. Uh, There's a feeling that it's going to be better than it's been in the past. It's going to be better than last year for sure. And I feel like there's a little bit of this thing where, and I'm not saying you, Alyssa, just, you know, general stuff that I, I see from Bears fans on social media and stuff. And it's the assumption, right? That Jordan Love isn't that good. From some of these reports you get at a training camp, he kind of sucks. He's no Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is with the Jets. We don't have to deal with that guy anymore, the guy that owns the franchise. He's gone, right? And, uh, you know, the Packers, they have no receivers. Never heard of these guys, right? So there's just all this stuff. And then never mind all the moves the Bears made on offense and kind of the, the positive swing that's been going on with that team ever since the draft. There is this feeling, I think, out there that it's the Bears' time. It's just their time to stomp the Packers. And... I just can't get there. And, you know, I've been consistent with this since schedule day, right? And back in the summer, I picked the Packers to win the ball game. Remember that on the show? And I've wanted to come off it. I've wanted to come off this take, Alyssa. I'm like, come on, just 
universe, tell me, make this flip for me because I don't want to pick the Packers. But I, I got my money on Green Bay. I do. I just like. I think this is going to be a disappointing opener, Alyssa, for the Bears. Uh, I don't really have any science behind it. It's just this bad feeling. Uh, I, I just think, I think the Bears have major question marks in the trenches on both sides. I think if I'm looking at any unit in this ball game that could dominate the game, I think it's Green Bay's defense that has the best chance to do that. I've had a bad feeling all along, and I just think this is going to be. I think this might be a miserable opener at Soldier Field because there's all this optimism and hype around the team, and it just comes smashing down on the team in week one. I, I think we're going to be so excited for this kickoff, and it's going to be a bad day for the Bears. I hope I'm wrong, but that's just where my gut is. Miserable. That's an interesting word. I told you, you were going to hate. The, I told you you'd hate the take. Yeah, I don't like that miserable word because when you look at the games last season that they played with Aaron Rodgers, they were relatively close. And that was with, I think, in my opinion, the worst roster in the NFL. And when you look at what the Bears are able to do this offseason and they addressed, when you look at it like position group by position group, there is no group that got worse. They either got better or they're kind of, they kind of stayed the same. So I think that when you look at what Eberflus was able to get out of that team last season and to play not only the Packers close, but some of you know the best teams in the NFL that way, I mean, I feel like the Bears are going to come out here like they have. I don't feel like they have any reason to be cocky or overconfident. I mean, most people on this roster have never beaten the Packers since they've been on the Bears. So I don't feel like they're going to come out like that. I feel like they're going to come out ready to to prove that, you know, they can contend for the NFC North and they can beat the Packers, you know, even if Aaron Rodgers isn't there. Right. So, I mean, it's it's interesting, though, because, I mean, I completely agree that defense. I I mean, that's the one thing like we talk a lot about the Packers yeah. offense and a lot of the question marks and the youth and the inexperience. But the defense, I mean, they're returning a lot of guys. And that's a defense that, you know, the Bears offense, they're, they're going to have to contend with. But also the defense is going to have to contend with this Bears offense, which, I mean, you have the threat of Justin Fields, which it's impossible nearly to game plan for because he could just take off and just completely break open a game. And then now you add in the threat of a passing attack with DJ Moore and with Darnell Mooney and Chase Claypool and the rest of the pass catchers that they have. I'm I'm excited for this game because I think that this is something where we can kind of see it go blow for blow. And it may be, you know, this is the closest I think the rivalry has felt since I've been part of it, it feels like. There's where no like doubt. you yeah. expect both sides, like any given game, one of the teams can win. Whereas in the last, you know, decade, you always expect the Packers to come out winning. So I mean, I think it gives it a little excitement, and I think it's no surprise that this is going to be that featured late game on Fox. And I'm excited to see this because this is a big challenge for the Bears. I think it's a, a great opportunity for them to come out and really just put their foot down and put a stamp on their season. Like, what kind of – this is – we're setting the tone here and now. We're going to go out and beat our rivals for the first time since 2018 on an eight-game losing streak. I mean, I think this is a game where the Bears – I think they're going to show up. It's not going to be a game where I think anyone gets blown out, but I'm really interested to see how the Bears really rise to the task. Yeah, I don't think either side gets blown out, too. I know I use I, I maybe hyperbole with the word miserable. I think any loss to the Packers <laughs> would be miserable, especially if you're favorite at miserable. home, right? Um, I'm glad I used that word, though, because it already got under your skin, Alyssa. Got you fired up a little bit. But I, I hear what you're saying. Um, if Justin Fields starts running around and, and he he's just that one singular player that he can flip, it doesn't matter what the spread is. If Justin Fields has one of those special moments where he just runs around and no one can tackle him, then yeah, no, the Bears could flip this thing. But I also, you know, I hear I heard your take too about 
the new offensive weapons that I'm excited about DJ Moore and Claypool and to see how this all comes together as well. And, and even the new running back room, you know, with Montgomery gone and more Khalil Herbert and Deonta Foreman, all this stuff. I'm excited to see how all this comes together, but it's just like, it's early, right? We haven't seen a lot of reps with these guys. Is it going to click from day yeah. one? I would, I would almost feel better if this game was a little bit later in the month, maybe at the end of September, they have a couple games under their belt, right? I just feel like this game sneaks up on us a little bit early, this game against Green Bay, although I love it. I think it's a great story to talk about. We're going to keep talking about it. Uh, but there's two spots. A, I agree with you 100%. I think the Bears and Packers, this will be a close game. The Bears weren't good in close games last year. Big reason we were picking first, right? Uh, they played nine games decided by eight points or less last year, Alyssa, and they only won one of them. Uh, so does that change? I with think the that's... roster. Right, exactly. With the worst... I mean... They, they should have won more with the worst roster. I think that's one reason that we're so optimistic this year about what they could do, right? Um, so that's one. Can they start winning close games? Can they figure it out at the end of the games? Because this could be one of those close ones in the fourth quarter. I think the other question I have for you, Alyssa, is just how do they stack up against Green Bay in the run game? Because the Bears let up a lot of yards per rush last year and were 31st in rush yards allowed per game. I think you hit on that earlier. And now you're going up against a Packers team that is just going to unapologetically pound you with Aaron Jones and, and AJ Dillon on top of having a more mobile quarterback and Jordan Love who might be able to run a little bit. So Green Bay's defense is the number one thing that scares me, but their run game as well is a matchup. I don't know if the Bears can win. They're deep at running back, more mobile quarterback. So give me like, how does Chicago combat that? How do they survive the you know Green Bay's run game and get off the field? Yeah, that was actually the my biggest concern heading into this game is the Bears defense against, you know, that that dual headed running back duo and and Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon because like you said that was I mean, they were just one of the worst defenses in the league last mm-hmm. season, whether it was, you know, they finished last with 20 sacks and then in the run defense I think they finished what 31st and they are allowing, you know, well over 150 yards per game. And that can happen. And when you look back to, they played early last season too, in week two, and it was a primetime game. And you look at how that game transpired and Aaron Jones just ran all over them and could do whatever he wanted. And I think that you saw Ryan Poles this offseason go out and address that and bringing in Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards and overhauling that defensive line. So, I mean, that's going to be the matchup in my opinion to watch is those running backs, Jones and Dylan going against the bears run defense, because you need to stop them there. You and then force the rookie to beat you. And then you force them into mistakes. And I think that that's how you win. Well, I think if they can go out and win a dog fight, win one of these close kind of games, they were in a lot of close ones last year. If they can go out against green Bay, win a close game, like we're going to be feeling pretty damn good about the team. I I think all of that optimism will be, uh, you know, It'll be confirmed and we'll be off and running. So we'll see how it, how it, where we, we've talked or see what goes down there. Alyssa, we've talked in the past about uh, a punchable face on the other side. Uh, this, we promised this might be a segment that we end shows with. So let's get to our, our, our punchable face before we make our official predictions, which I think, I think we've already made them, right? You have the, the Bears covering this one at minus one and I have the Packers, right? That's pretty much our picks. Yes. Okay. Those are our official picks. So not much help there. If you like Sorry, Alyssa's take, if you like Alyssa's take more, take that one. If you like mine, I'm sure you hate it. So just go with Alyssa's. That's fine. <laughs> but it'd be help, more helpful if we were both aligned, right? Uh, usually we are. But this is a big question now. I mean, the punchable face of the year was Aaron Rodgers last year for us. Uh, he's the easy one. 
with Aaron Rodgers gone, who has the most punchable face on the Packers, Alyssa? Oh, this is an easy one for me. And it that's is actually. Matt LaFleur, the head coach. Yeah, Just, it's LaFleur. He was always number two. Like if Aaron Rodgers wasn't on that team. Or <laughs> He's the backup. Get, like yeah. it was LaFleur. <laughs> Easily. <laughs> Oh, just looking at him, I just like get upset. I mean, I just kind of like I look at Matt Lafleur, and I'm reminded of Ryan Day from Ohio State, and about Mm -hmm. how like Jim Harbaugh said that Ryan Day was born on third base, and I think that that's exactly what Matt Lafleur was too. Where you come into a situation, you have a Hall of Fame, future Hall of Fame quarterback already playing for you, and a great team and a great roster, and now you just go out there and you know it's pretty easy, right? But let's see you with you know a roster that's struggling, a younger roster. Uh, where you have holes at different positions. And I still don't think Matt LaFleur is there, but he's in a worse situation than he has been. Um, so, yeah, he's just, yeah, Matt LaFleur is my punchable face. It's totally Matt LaFleur. But I have to push back against Ryan Day a little bit. I know Now, I know you hate Ryan Day because he's oh, Ohio no. State, right? Uh, but do you know where Ryan Day played his college football by chance? Oh, no. The University of New Hampshire. That was my school. Alyssa, he oh. was the offensive court. He played quarter. He was the offensive coordinator at UNH when I was in college. Oh so, no, Ryan! How dare you say that about Ryan Day? Uh, a how proud wildcat, a, a proud wildcat <laughs> alum of the University of New Hampshire Wildcats. Everyone's like UNH has football. New Hampshire has football. Yeah, they do. It's subdivision football. Out first, there. first you pick the Packers, and now you're picking the Ohio State coach. Oh no, Ryan, <laughs> we got beef now. We got. I'm just saying, beef. I don't, I don't want to punch Ryan Day because he's a UNH alum. So I'm not. He doesn't have a punchable I'll punch face him to for me. you. <laughs> Although he does have a he does have a face you can't miss, um, and I actually did see him in uh, Portsmouth, New Hampshire. It's a nice little city on right on the water in New Hampshire on the seacoast, and uh, I saw Ryan Day actually uh, downtown. Didn't say anything to him, but he it was clearly him, and he walked by. He's just got one of those faces you can't you can't miss. He, it's you just punch. yeah. You, and, and Alyssa <laughs> wants to punch it, but getting back to the uh, to the pay, the face I'd most want to punch. It's Matt Lafleur, and I think for me it's the. Uh, it's the beard. It's the beard, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna crap on someone for for having a well manicured beard, because uh, I I have the beard that's tied into the haircut with the barber. I do that thing, Alyssa. So I can't be hypocritical here. I think with Lafleur, it's the, uh, it's like that chin strap style beard. You know what I mean? It's like a little low around the chin, and yeah, he, he's just always. You could tell like he really cares about that beard. He wants it to look good on camera. It's always nice and like touched up before the game. I don't know. There is something about his face that it, it just screams. I want to. I want to punch my TV screen. And you know, Lafleur's face is going to be all over the screen on Sunday because he calls the plays. Oh, and we're going to circle back to this. I know next week too, and then maybe kind of be like, okay, so who was who was the actual? It's going to be Lafleur. It's going to be him, unless yeah. someone just like really pisses me off. And he's then, the he's the front runner. Yeah, he's definitely the front runner. So you know, that's that's where the, that's what you should put your money on. <laughs> But I did want to ask you this, like with Rogers gone, who do you hate now the most? Like the villain, it almost feels like the villain oh. is gone. And I even said this, I think it was off air. I told you this. I'm like, I'm finding the Packers less hateable and you know, I'm not a Bears fan. So I come at this from a different perspective, uh, but I find the Packers less hateable now that Rogers has moved on. And I, I want to get your take on like, who do you hate now? Like who on the Packers do you hate now with Aaron Rodgers gone on, like on the current roster? That's a difficult question. You're so right. right? Aaron like there's not a lot of guys you just like look at and you say like, I know a lot of fans no. say, oh, I hate Jordan Love now. But it's like, I don't hate Jordan Love. He hasn't done no. anything to make me hate him yet. He hasn't done anything to make me hate him yet. I mean, like if he if he becomes, you know, a third straight Hall of Fame quarterback for the Packers. Oh, my God. Watch out. But I don't think that's going to happen. He hasn't really done anything. Uh, 
for me to for me to hate him. Um, man, like looking at this current roster, I mean, there are a couple names maybe, and I still don't even know if I would use hate because it's not mm. like maybe it's because I had a special kind of hate for Aaron Rodgers that like <laughs> no other player maybe outside Brett Favre, but I mean, even he didn't reach that level. It transcends sports, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, I guess most disliked players, I mean, maybe David Bakhtiari. I mean, like, he just gets away with holding calls all the freaking time. And like, that's a good one. And he's annoying. like Aaron Rodgers' favorite. You know, that's like his yeah. boy. So that's a, that's one. Um, that's true. Maybe I, Jair Alexander because he's so damn good. Yeah. And he's <laughs> just out there with team. he's out there with swag. Right. Like, I remember last year, Jair, Jair Alexander completely took Justin Jefferson out of the game against the Vikings, like just erased him from the game. And Jefferson was like throwing his helmet on the sideline and, and Alexander strutting around the field. But yeah, you, you would hate on him because he's so good, but uh, is he, is he really a hateable player? Is he, is he, he doesn't have a punchable face. That's for sure. Like, I don't know. It's, it's tough. I'm finding, I'm finding the Packers less hateable now. I don't, well, they're always going to be hateable to me. But I mean, like, when we talk about, like, Aaron Rodgers and why we hated him, too, it was because of, like, him as a person, too, like, as a human being and someone that his own family doesn't talk like, to. Like showering like, with dirt, like rubbing clay on him yeah. to, to wash himself. But, like, who on the Packers maybe is like that? I think you mentioned it, too. Was it Quay Walker? Like, maybe. Yeah, you know what? Of, like, he might be. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about this off air. I think Quay Walker might be my pick just because he had this, like, really DB moment last year. It was again, is that final game against the lions where they got hilariously knocked out of the playoffs by the lions yes. who, who were, their season was already over. They were mathematically eliminated. All the Packers had to do was beat the lions at home against a Lions team that had nothing to play for anymore. And they were in the playoffs and they, and they lost, they couldn't do it. And during the, I think it was late in the game, Quay Walker shoved a trainer uh, oh. who was tending to an injured player on the field. He, shoved a trainer and got ejected. And I just remember him like kind of being mouthy as he walked off the field down the, down the tunnel. And it was like, who is this guy? And it was right after DeMar Hamlin and all that thing. And they're tending to like a a player who might, I I don't know what injury he has. So I shouldn't say it was a head injury, but um, I just remember Quay Walker shoving a trainer. And that's like the most ridiculous thing you could do. Like, what are you doing? So he might be, that was unclassy. Yeah. Like classless. He might be, he might be the guy. Maybe he's the guy. But, he might be um, outside of like, I think of everyone else, even like Matt LaFleur. I mean, like, what has he done as a human being that yeah. but, like when you have, when you're shoving a trainer and like you said, after the DeMar Hamlin situation, like, come on, it's not a good look. Yeah. Okay. Look. So that's good. That makes me hate the Packers a little more. Thank you, Alyssa. This is what I need. Yes, this is the content. I've done I need. My job. <laughs> uh, how about this? Like besides Rogers and Favre, who's like, what are your most hated Packers of all time? If we take those two off. Oh, I mean, Randall Kopp for obvious reasons, uh, <laughs> yep. but <laughs> yep. but also too, I think Charles Martin and just, I mean, it, cause that was even before like I really started watching. I wouldn't think, yeah, no, before I even started watching football, obviously before I was a fan, um, the, and, and what he did to Jim McMahon, just completely dirty and they didn't do anything. It's a good one. And like my dad, my dad still tells me cause like he was watching it and he's still mad to this day that the bears haven't done something like that back to the Packers. Well, there's no like, time like I the present. It. No time like the present, yeah. right? Let's hey, go but get they him. should have done it to Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Jordan Love, I mean, I don't hate him yet. I mean, poor kid. <laughs> I mean, we yeah, we got to find reason, right? We got to find reason to hate Jordan Love because he just seems like a good kid and there's yeah, just nothing I to hate. hate him. Christian Watson's another one. I'd love to hate him, 
but I don't. There's just nothing wrong with Christian Watson yet. Like, seems yes. like a pretty good young <laughs> player. You know what I mean? So we need this is a different iteration of the rivalry, I guess. There's a little bit less hate to me. I know for Packers and Bears fans, it's it's probably and especially Bears fans, there's no love lost. But for me, it's like I gotta find that edge again. So I'm hoping I find something yeah. in this ball game. Maybe there'll be a Quay Walker moment. Um, oh, like God, that Lions game last no. year. If where he I, goes anywhere near field. See, and that's something if Tevin Jenkins was playing and he attempted to touch field. Yeah, he's the protector, right? Yeah, he's the one that, like that one game against the Vikings, remember we talked about when Fields was hit out of bounds and Tevin went up and got in someone's face and then Jermaine Effetti was yelling at him because he did it. I'm like, go protect the quarterback. <laughs> right, I remember it was so like, backwards. Like, need guys like that. A hundred percent. So we'll see. Like, is the hate still there? Packers bears. I hope so. I, I hope I, th- I think this has a chance to be a really grindy, close, tough game uh, late. Now, I, I like I said, I have just bad feeling that I think it's going to go Green Bay's way. But I, I hope I'm wrong, Alyssa. I hope I'm wrong uh, because it would just be so fun if the Bears wrong. went out and just won this big game at home and kind of announced to the league that they're ready to not be the worst team in football anymore. You know what I mean? They're ready to turn this thing around. And we're ready to watch football like it's 2018 again. You know, that's uh, for for all the fans sake. I hope that's that's what happens. I, I'm not optimistic. I have a bad feeling, but I hope I hope it's more on your side than mine. How about that? I'll take that. And you were talking about like the hate too and the rivalry. If anything, I think I've seen more hate hatred between the fan bases. Exactly. About, like, yeah. The other fan base. Then not the actual team, but like the fan base against another fan base. That's undying. So yeah. I mean, like, hey, that's alive and well. <laughs> that's alive and well, and um, I'm here for it. And I think maybe even the Packers side, it's stirred up a little bit more now because they're they're feeling they're feeling it coming a little bit closer now, right? That they, they felt yeah. like they had they were they were on top of the mountain with Aaron Rodgers. The Bears are way at the bottom, down you know down in the abyss. I think it's a, we could all agree it's a lot more even now, and that's. That's uh, punctuated by the Bears being favored at home by one point in this ballgame. So uh, it's it's dead even. It's dead even. You want to give a slight edge to the Packers, I wouldn't argue with you, but I think it's even, and I think this one could go either way. And I'm stoked to watch some football. What you say, Alyssa? It's the later game on Sunday? Yes, it is that prime late game Let's on go. Fox. And I think for a re- good, really good reason. Yep. It's going to be exciting. So try to endure all the shots of Matt LaFleur's face uh, on your TV screen. Uh, You know, it's going to be painful for all of us. But uh, for Alyssa Barbieri, I'm Ryan O'Leary. We appreciate you and we're excited to be back for another year covering the Bears weekly. We'll be back next week with more to break this one down and look ahead to the next one. Uh, We cannot wait and we will talk to you soon. Bear down and beat the pack. (laughs) 